All right, welcome back to another episode of Real Talk. Jeff here, and Brad, Brad, how are you, sir? Dude, I'm doing good. NBA playoffs are incredible right now, and, uh, you know, we're getting some more news on football that's staying relevant, but the big news is soccer, man. I'm excited to finally get to talk some soccer. I hope some of you listeners are interested to see what I have to say or learn or both. But um, I'm interested to teach you about soccer, too, because I know you have your inquiries, and hopefully I get you guys some good information today, and most of it's accurate. I'm pretty sure I know what I'm talking about, so let's run it. Yeah, a couple things. I mean, literally, since you've started coming on here, I know this has been a goal of yours is to get some soccer going. Um, I've always been open to it, but I can't talk it, you know, and I've made that pretty clear to you. Um, Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we thought would be a good idea is to kind of give – not only just predictions, we've do ton, tons of prediction shows on this on this podcast, but an actual overview of what you'd be watching if you were to tune in to this current tournament, which is the Euros of 2020 being mm-hmm. being uh, pushed back due to COVID in 2021. So um, we're here. This is the time. I'm pretty much going to give you the stage and mm-hmm. what the fans can and listeners can expect from me today is basically I'm going to be them. If there's something you're saying that I just feel like I don't, or the listeners don't understand. I'll chime in. I'll ask you, and we'll go from there. So yeah. I hope you guys enjoy this. This is definitely—I don't want to call it an experiment because we want to do this often. So yeah. if you guys like this, please let us know. If you absolutely hate it, well, I mean, tune into a football pod. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. So just one little tidbit I wanted to say before we get going is most people, even if you don't know soccer, know Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. Yeah. Messi does not play in this competition. So when I'm explaining the Euros here, unfortunately, he does not play. Um, <clears throat> but I'll start off with how the, the Euros get qualified and what they are exactly. So it's an international tournament where players play for their countries instead of their clubs. I know most of you will understand what that means. But basically, instead of playing for Real Madrid, Barcelona, Manchester United, Manchester City, they'll play for England, Spain, Portugal, teams of that nature. Uh, Same thing as LeBron's club team would be the Lakers. International team would be the United States. So it's an international uh, tournament with uh, countries playing against each other. Um, And it's similar in some ways to the World Cup. Some people watch the World Cup because everyone can back the red, white, and blue in any tournament, no matter how good or bad they are, Um, except it is catered only to European teams. So there is 55 European teams that qualify for an opportunity to play in the Euros. Those teams get randomly drawn into five groups of five teams and five groups of six teams. It's a completely random draw amongst the countries. And basically they play over a year. Uh, Teams will leave their club teams for certain international breaks during the year to play for their countries to try and qualify for these tournaments, World Cup and European, uh, the Euros both. So what they do is after they play, the way every soccer criteria is scored is you get three points for a win, both teams get one point for a tie, and you get zero for a loss. At the end, they take the top 20 teams out of all these 55, and they qualify for the Euros. If there is a tie, they go to goal differential. If they're still tied there, 
they go to goals scored. And there's more of a structure that goes on. It gets all the way to which team had more red cards and yellow cards during their process. It, there's like 11 steps to make sure there is no ever tie. I've never seen it get past, you know, only once I think in my life have I seen it get to yellow card, red card. But that's, it's an anomaly. It doesn't really happen. Um, for the Euros this year, the teams are already set. But I did say 20, not 24. Out of all the teams that did not qualify, the top eight that did not, or it's not eight, excuse me, it's four, it's 16. The top 16 that did not qualify get selected by their ranking into four little mini tournaments. Path A will have four teams in a tournament style bracket, B, C, and D. The four winners are the last four teams implemented into the Euros, thus completing the 24 teams that will play in the competition. Any so, questions about this? So, so far, from what I'm c- catching, is 20 teams qualify based off of regular season standings. And mm-hmm. then there is a mini tournament, March Madness-style tournament, to a- yep, just to get yourself the last four bubble teams. Yes. And for most of you guys that are listening, if you know it more detailed than I do, I, I left out a lot of details and names of tournaments, and it gets really complex. But for the average watcher, when you try and think of teams, and if I said name teams in Europe that would play soccer, could you name three or four that come to your mind? Yeah, but some of them would probably be city or uh, actually club teams, and some of them would be countries. Say, say some, say some big countries in Europe. London. <laughs> so you have you have France, England, England, yes. right? England, France, Germany, Italy, Spain. Those are typically the first five that are that are set. Those teams are almost always going to make it. When you're when you're a just a typical fan kind of watching this tournament, your your big name teams are always usually going to make it. They have the most talent. But then you get into teams that will sometimes you know make the tournament. The guys that will change of Switzerland, Turkey, Wales, Finland, you know Ukraine. Those are teams that it's like. They're underdogs going into a lot of games, but it's fun to see these teams play with a lot of unknown players, or maybe they have one. So you have Poland, for example. I mean, I watch a lot of soccer, and I might be able to name only one guy, but it's Robert Lewandowski, a unanimous top five player in the world right now. A lot of people haven't met one. He won the Golden Boot for Europe. So a lot of these teams are made up of different caliber of players so you really get to see your stars stand out amongst you know oftentimes at the club level they're always playing with other stars at the international level they're not so any questions about how the euros is formed and who qualifies i mean at this point no you have you have it pretty uh pretty mapped out okay so once we get the 24 teams they take any team that is a host country in the tournament because there's many stadiums around europe that they kind of range across five or six countries. If one of the countries that qualifies as a home team, they get put into pot. There's going to be four pots total, all with six, or there's going to be, um, yeah, four pots total, each with six teams in them to make 24. So pot one, you put all the teams that have a hosting stadium. Then once you get past that, every international team is ranked. They have been since the dawn of time, so it's always fluctuating, but it's pretty accurate. They will then start at the best remaining team to worst and fill it in order. Pot one will be the home teams and theoretically the next like two or three best teams. 
then pot two will be the next six best teams and so on and so forth. So each pot theoretically should be tier A, B, C, and D of team skill. Then when they're drawing groups, they say, all right, it's time to draw group A. They draw a team from pot one, two, three, and four, and then make it a group. So theoretically, there's a tier one, two, three, and four level team in every single group. I mentioned this briefly on a podcast when I talked about the bubble, when you're talking about the bubble and how maybe they should do the seating there. And I said, if you were going to make all 16 NBA teams in the playoffs, you take the top four seeds, then the next, you know, and you make your groups. And that's how you form, you know, that kind of standard. This is kind of where that structure comes from. So basically, they draw from all four pots and make all of your groups. So if you're a really good team that has aspirations, you know, or expectations even of winning a competition like this, and you slip up on some of your qualifiers but still get into the tournament, you could be a really good team and then be placed in pot three. And you know you're going to have to play teams from pot two and one. And oftentimes, this creates in most World Cups and Euros, one group always stands out as the group of depth, is what they call it. It's the most competitive, best teams in one division. This year, it's Group F, and it's France, Germany, and Portugal all got put in the same division. All very good teams, along with Hungary, which we'll see if they can make an upset because that's they're all going to try and beat Hungary really bad. Because, again, when you're watching this game, you could say, oh, Portugal's going to beat Hungary. But if they tie later on with another team in points, goal differential really matters. So they don't want to beat Hungary. They want to destroy Hungary. They want to get their goal differential up. That's why you see a lot of good teams keep their foot on the gas. You see lots of goals in these kinds of competitions because every single goal matters to a big extent. Have I covered how they how you qualify and how they make the groups? Yeah, so far I don't I don't think I'm lost. So I mean, hypothetically speaking, because it's random draw the top four teams could end up in one. So no. So if if the top four teams are all in pot A, it's guaranteed that they're all going to be in different groups. Okay. See what I'm saying? So when they go to draw for group A, they're, they're, they're listed in letters, not numbers. So it's A, B, C, D, E, and F. Yeah. When they draw group A, they'll draw one random name from pot one, which is the host teams and then the top two or three. Then the next six best teams, they draw from that pot. Then theoretically teams, you know, so on and so forth until they get one from each tier, if you will. Does that make sense? That's why. So Italy stands out as the best team in group A, then Belgium in B, then Netherlands in C, Croatia, like Croatia and England. They both got drawn in D because one was in tier two. That's a, that's a competitive group. Spain in the next one. And then. France, Germany, Portugal, they got unlucky and drew all of each other in the first stage, which is the group stage. Does that answer that question? Yeah. So for those of you following along, what we've covered is how we get qualified for the tournament and then how the groups get formed. Then you start group play. Every team, let's take group F since we've been talking about them and the names are familiar. France, Germany, Hungary, Portugal. Every team will play three games in the group stage. France will play all other three teams in their group. It's that simple. You play one game against every other team in your group. And at the end, every team has three games played. And you, your goal is to get the most points, which nine is the best you can get. You won all three games. Um, 
again, if you're tied, it goes to goal differential, then goal score, and there's a whole plethora of ways to advance out of your group. But that is how the group stage goes. That'll that'll last about 18 days because typically when you're, or maybe it's a little bit shorter, but typically when you turn on TV for a day and there's two games, you're seeing one whole group, just the two different teams that are playing. They also don't overlap any games. Games are at 9 a.m., noon, or 3 p.m., all the games. There's only one on at a time. So it, it's really exciting that you can really watch every single game if you want to. There's no overlapping. So it's really fun from the neutral perspective. and. Um, yeah, you're just it, it's a really it's really fun for a soccer fan especially, but that is how the group stage is played. So real quick. Mm-hmm. There's six groups. A through F. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you go 3 and 0, you move on. Easy, yeah, because no one else in your group can have 9 points. Okay. If you reach 9, no one else can have 9. If you go 2 and 1 and you only lost to the team that went 3 and 0, are you eliminated? No, most of the time you're going to be in second with six, but sometimes you can have nine, six, six, zero if everybody's crushing one specific team. Or most of the time it happens with ties. You have a team with nine and then a te- two teams with four because maybe they beat the worst team, but then they tied each other. So then it goes to goal differential and you have that problem. But yes, if you win all three, you're in. If you don't win all three, you know, things can happen that's crazy. But if you win two games in the group stage and don't go through, I, I don't know if that can even happen. You'd have to win one and maybe tie two or something like that. So how many teams advance from each group, too? So here's here's where things are going to get a little bit crazy to understand again. I'm going to reference the World Cup. The World – just bear with me here on this side story. The World Cup has eight groups instead of six. And it's as simple as this. The winner of Group A plays the runner-up of Group B. And the winner of Group B plays the runner-up of Group A. Then you move to C, D. And so one plays two, two plays, two plays one. Correct. All the way through. The Euros get super complicated. There's no way that you can, you can like guess the bracket before the group stage is done. So what they've done to add more games, if you are first or second, in all six groups, if you're first or second, you move on. Period. Point blank. Twelve teams advance. Okay. Now what they do is they take all six teams that finish third, the top four move on as well. Does that make sense? To make sixteen total so, teams advance. Chances are a bunch of the teams that finish third are going to have identical records. So then it goes down to point differential, goal, goal score, differential, and all that stuff. Okay. So, again, your ones and twos are in automatically. But then they take all the threes and line them up. The top four get to go through. So four third-place teams are also going to get through. That's why the group of death isn't as scary. Still matters, but there's a good chance France, Portugal, and Germany may all be able to move on. If they all destroy Hungary, that's why that's such a big game for those teams. Now, some of you may be thinking, if you're first or second in your group, those are the better teams. The third place teams like maybe sneak in and can maybe cause some havoc. This structure of the Euros has only happened one time. This structure was invented in the 2016 Euros. 
before that, it was just as simple as one verse two, two verse one, or one verse two, one verse two in the six groups. But they've added these four teams through. And in the first year, 2016, out of the third place teams, four went through. The third best third place team. So theoretically, the second worst team to get out of the group stage was Portugal. And they won the entire tournament. Portugal won the Euros, advancing as a three seed. So in soccer, it's crazy because it, you can bring all your guys back on defense and just play counterattack and put guys who are fast up front and anything can happen. And you can take down giants by being frustrating and parking the bus is what they call it. But tactically, any team can really be beat by any team if they play it right. A handball in the box, a random corner kick, they, they go up and win. You know, there's so many ways. So giants really do fall in this competition or, you know, it everything matters. It, and obviously in any kind of tournament with stakes like these, everything matters. But by adding those four teams that make it out of the three spot, Instead of 31 games in the Euros in 30 days, there's 51 games now. Why I say the bracket's impossible to to determine is I've looked up, like, the bracket, and it's crazy. In the first round, it'll say something, and guys, this doesn't make any sense, but it's like Group A winner plays the third-place seed of Group D, E, or F. Like, I don't know how they determine. Like, there's, like, four possible teams that they could play. It's I'm sure it's not random, but I don't really know how it works. But what I do know is after after the group stage is over, you see a definitive bracket of 16 teams, and you can see like what the paths are, who you have to go through. The tournament really starts there. But every team gets three games in the group stage. You see your teams at advance, and then it really kicks off. And in the knockout stages, again, every game, if you get to the group stage, you tie, everyone gets one point. Once it hits knockouts, you play 90 minutes. If there's no winner, you play two 30-minute over or two 15-minute overtimes. And if there's still no winner, PKs. So we're gonna see PKs in the next month. We're gonna see overtime goals late. We're gonna see games pushed into extra time in the knockout stages. And you know, I, it, it's gonna quick. be phenomenal. I know what it is. What is a PK for the listeners? Okay. A PK is a penalty kick shootout. If you guys have ever seen a soccer field, to really dumb it down for you, there's two boxes next to the goal, the six-yard box and the 18-yard box. Directly in between the six-yard line and the 18-yard line is a dot that's 12 yards away from the goal. One player versus the goalie. Two rules you may not know about soccer shootouts, or the PK shootouts, excuse me. Once a player starts moving forward to take the kick, they can maybe pause for a quick second, but they can never move backwards and they can never stop fully. No matter how slow or fast they go, they have to continue moving forward. And for the goalies, when they dive to save it, one foot has to be on the goal line when they dive. They can't jump out a foot and then dive. They can't cut the distance down to the ball at all. Also, I think it's something like goalies have like an 8% chance to save a penalty kick. And also, they say if you're watching a team you cheer for in a penalty kick shootout, it increases your risk of heart attack by like 42%. It's crazy because it, it's not only an adrenaline rush, but it lasts so long that your heart rate is up for so long. That Those are just some funny statistics about what goes on in a penalty kick shootout. Maybe, just maybe why they don't have a normal soccer. They just end with a tie. I doubt it, but just a little, some fun facts. Those numbers aren't exactly right. But 
again, when a goalie saves a penalty kick, it is a massive celebration. He was not supposed to do that. It's usually the first player to screw up from the kick. If the goalie saves it, that's house money. Never supposed to. Okay. So now we, we've, we've passed the group A through F. Okay. We're down to our top uh, 12 teams and then our additional four teams. So we have 16 teams. And at this point, we are simply in a March Madness-like yep, tournament. There's, there's eight on win, one side, eight on the other. Home. It's one game. Correct. That's it. We're down to PKs if it gets to that point. But it is win or go home, and then you move on. Yes, and one of the new changes to soccer they're experimenting with, they don't know if it's going to be permanent, in soccer, in their history, every team has allowed three substitutions a game. That has changed recently, especially with COVID. Teams are now allowed five substitutions a game, but only at three different times. So there's three times you can send substitutions to the line to go in, maximum of five players throughout the game. If a game goes into extra time, you're allowed a sixth sub and obviously an extra substitution period. Not many people know that there's a limitation on how many subs you can have in a game. So that's why I, kind of I would sh- have I would have never guessed that. That's why they wait till later in the game. Usually the 60, 60th minute to 70th minute is when they make their change. Do we want an extra defender on because we're trying to protect our lead? Do we want to take somebody off and throw another striker on to move forward to get a late goal? That's where the tactics come into play for substitutions. But there is a limit on them. But with five, you can almost sub half your team, especially if you don't count the goalie. You can sub half your team during the game. Okay. So now that we're into tournament here, we're, I want to say tournament because we were always in a tournament. But now that we're in knockout stages, do you have a, a projected bracket or what, what do you want to do now? I don't have a projected bracket. Again, that would be really fun, but because there's so many different possibilities and for variables, who I'm not going to get into all that. Um, okay. What I will say is for people who watch soccer or maybe people who don't but like to bet sports, um, I'm not going to give you their direct order unless Jeff wants me to try and do that on the fly, which I can maybe. But there's 24 teams. There is only eight, realistically, that can win this tournament. I believe like it would be an absolute amazement if one of these teams didn't. And if one of these teams on this list is playing a team that's not on this list, I would have them winning the game. These are your teams, France, Germany, Portugal, Spain, England, Croatia, Italy, and Belgium. Now, a lot of people who don't like know the big countries and stuff may not understand like Belgium and Croatia being on this list. Both these teams are very good. And I know um, Nick Elkert, he's a big fan of the podcast. He comments on a lot of soccer stuff. Big Croatia fan, him and his brothers both. Um, They have a player, Luka Modric, in the middle of their team who won the Ballon d'Or, which is the best player in the world, um, theoretically. I mean, I don't know if he should have won it, but he did. He did win it. Um, uh, The Euros, which were four years ago, well, five now, France lost in the – or France won – Excuse me, yeah, France lost in the final of the last Euros to Portugal. And then two years later, they won the World Cup. So France is pretty much deemed as the number one team in the world. They're not really missing any starters from those two teams. They're pretty much the same team. They have a complete midfield. Um, maybe you guys have heard of an upcoming star, Kylian Mbappe. He's got a pretty cool name. It's hard to forget. He leads their attack. They have a brutal midfield, great defense. 
but they've been in the final of the last two tournaments in uh, international play, losing in the finals in the Euros to an overtime goal by Eder. And in the uh, final, they beat Croatia, I believe, 2-0 in the World Cup, which, again, Croatia, a team might not think of as great, made it all the way to the final. So they can play. Let's do this again. Those top eight teams are who? You said Germany, France, Portugal, England, Croatia, Italy, yep, and Spain, and Belgium. Belgium. Okay, so Denmark, Finland, Belgium, Russia. Belgium's probably a runaway in there. I think Belgium will. Yeah, I think Belgium should secure nine points in that division. Okay, what about this? Because this is obviously a wild card because none of the teams that you listed are in Group C. So it's the Netherlands, Ukraine, Austria, and North Macedonia. Yeah, Macedonia, I believe, yep. Um, This one's fun because Netherlands is just a young team. They've missed out on qualifying the last few years, but they were a really good team in the early and mid-2000s. They would be the team I would put my money on. If I had to guess, they have a few players that are good. You have Memphis Depay. I don't know if Virgil van Dijk is back yet as a defender, but um, they've, they've got some good players there. Austria, their best player is a, is a left back, so say what you want about them. North Macedonia and Ukraine couldn't name a player from either of those teams. But, yeah, Group C is a crapshoot. That's why it's going to be so fun. These teams have a bunch of guys who you don't see when you watch the big teams in the world, and they come out and – you know, that a lot of times they shock people. That So I would take Netherlands, but yes, that, that was wide open. Um, a little fun fact about England at the World Cup, they finished fourth three years ago, but they were the youngest team in the tournament. Their average age, I think, was like 23. So now all those guys, are, a lot of them are in their prime. Also fun about England is in the World Cup, every player for the England national team played for like in a club team in England as well. So they were all from the country club-wise and internationally. In the Euros, they have three players that do not play in England domestically. But um, speaking of England, I saw Shane. He, um, he had a question on the Facebook page. What do I think of their squad? Now, it's funny because on a defense, you have a right back, a left back, and two center backs. England named five right backs to their squad of 26. Now, they are spoiled for choice. And um, we just learned today Trent Alexander-Arnold, unfortunately, had an injury in training. He will be removed. I would expect them to bring in uh, Ward-Prowse or Lingard into the midfield. But the problem with England is they have a ton of defenders and a ton of forwards. They're spoiled for choice. The center of their midfield, they only have two guys, really, I believe, Jordan Henderson and Mason Mount. Or, uh, so the thing is, is uh, the coach, Gareth Southgate, I believe is his name. Gosh, let me see here. Yeah, Gareth Southgate, that's his name. He's, he's, he's almost always going to be under fire if they lose because he's going to put out a good lineup every time. But there's going to be so many good players on the bench. They're a team that watch out. I believe England may have the best late game in the tournament because they're a team that if they're tied and believe they can win or are down and need goals late in the game, they have tons of forwards that they can put on. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, Harry Kane, Marcus Rashford, Jaden Sancho, Raheem Sterling. 
All those players are wingers or strikers, and all of them are no doubt first-team selections for their club team. They're all fantastic players. And on defense, they have players across the line, a lot that you know play play often together in England. They've been playing for five or six years. So I like the England squad. They're a team I'm rooting for. Um, obviously, well, maybe not obviously to some of you, but Portugal is the number one team I cheer for. Cristiano Ronaldo and the Manchester United faithful uh, Bruno Fernandes, two top five players in the world together up top. Always going to be fun to watch. Have a soft spot for Germany. Jeff Halbert, I know you listen to all the podcasts. I know you root for Germany, your hometown. They're going to be a good team. Maybe we'll have to get together for the Portugal-Germany game. That'd be fun. But, um, yeah, if you guys have any questions, feel free to comment when Jeff shares the pods on those posts or message me or Jeff together. But, again, there's 55 teams through a process. They get qualified down to 24. They get randomly – well, they get put in order basically 1 to 24. One from each tier selected to form your groups. Every group, everyone plays three games. Based off your points or other structures going down the line, we determine our top two from group who advance. We line up all the third place finishers. Top four advance as well. You have your 16, two eight sides of the bracket. And then everybody can really fully understand what's happening there. You win, you advance. After the group stage, there is no more ties. We will see a winner every game. We'll see 90 minutes, 30 minutes of extra time. There is no golden goal. There could be seven goals in the 30-minute overtime. At the end of the game, if there is a tie there, it will go into a penalty kick shootout. It's not sudden death. No, you can score three goals in overtime. It is not sudden death. What's the point of that? The point of that is because you couldn't find a winner in 90 minutes. We're going to give you guys 30 more minutes to play. Interesting. The, the golden goal rule or the instant winner, that is oftentimes at like the junior high, high school, maybe even collegiate level, but that's what you see in high school is golden goal in overtime. But at the professional level, if it goes into overtime, it's simply just 30 more minutes of soccer. Wow. Wow. Uh, I do have a couple of questions. I'll, I'll state this. So the, the tournament date is exactly one month. It is June 11th to July 11th. Do you know what the first game is and when our listeners could tune into that game? The first game is Turkey versus Italy, and it will be Friday at 3 o'clock. And then the next couple days, there's three games. Saturday. Real quick, that Friday game at 3 o'clock, does it say what channel that's on or where you can mostly stream Um, these at? It doesn't say for me here, but I do believe that local channels – NBC specifically should have some of these games, but I think it runs a lot through ESPN and ESPN plus. But again, if only one network had the rights to the euros, no games, the whole time overlap, no games ever overlap. Yeah. One game on at a time. So if it is ESPN plus maybe ESPN one or ESPN two all day, we'll have them on or you can find them on your app or, whatever device you're using to watch. But um, as far as I know, a, a competition like this, there should never be a game where you're like, I wanted to watch that game, and you can't. Um, you know, actually, Fox. Fox is a big advocate for soccer. So um, I watch so much TV. Wherever you're seeing the commercials at um, is where it's going to be. So if you're on Fox Sports and you're seeing, uh, you know, 
bunch of ads for the Euros. It's probably like Fox Sports 1 or Fox Sports, you know, that will have those on. So I, I just looked up the schedule here. <clears throat> I think it's ESPN, though, if I had to guess. So it looks like the first game will be on ESPN. And then after that, games change from ESPN, ABC, um, ESPN2. But most of these games look to be on ESPN or ABC. There's a couple that are on ESPN2. But for the most part, it looks like ESPN owns the rights and they owned ABC as well. So Yeah, uh, I just looked up another thing and it's got like what country can look up what channel and who has the rights. Under United States, it says ABC slash ESPN. That's where all the games will yeah. be. Yeah, It they says Univision if you want it in Spanish, but I don't know if a lot of you guys will want to listen to it in that. But So whether it's ABC or ESPN, you should be able to watch any game you want to watch on those two channels. So one game will start us off Friday, June 11th. That's Turkey and Italy, like as you stated, at 3 o'clock. And then it's primarily three games a day. Some games there's only two. But, uh, yeah, I think that um, – so, actually, it looks like here on Wednesday, June 23rd, there's actually two games at noon. Is there? Yeah, oh, right at noon. I and there's two games at 3 o'clock that day. So, maybe – So, there are some games with double headers. Yeah, okay. So, that explains why there's two channels. I apologize for that. I didn't think any games overlapped. It turns out they do. So, at that time, there will be a game on ABC and a game on ESPN. That's why there's two providers. That makes sense. Now, now why it's hard, why I got you here. So, I know it's hard to predict the tournament and who's going to play each other and things of that such nature. But do you want to give your group projected winner? Not necessarily one, two, three, four, but your projected winner of each group. I could I could do that. So group A, we have Turkey, Italy, Wales, and Switzerland. Is there a favorite you like there? I uh, just just some fun things. So I want to go through every team. Uh, go Turkey. Ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Turkey, I would deem as no reason to watch them specifically. If they're playing a team you want to watch, turn them on. Um, Wales has two a couple popular players. You have Jalen Ramsey. Uh, Jalen Ramsey. Sorry, he's the cornerback. The lockdown corner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have, I'm sorry, Aaron Ramsey. He's a center midfielder, played around Europe. Uh, Daniel James and Gareth Bale. A lot of people know Gareth Bale's name. Uh, They have some fun attacking presence. Um, Switzerland has a pretty good team, and they have two popular players. Great names. Granit Xhaka and Ziradan Shakiri. The team runs through those two players. They're a midfielder and a forward, so they'll be all over the ball. They're fun to watch. Italy will win this group. Italy is the deepest team with the, probably the best team. But what to watch out for Italy, some people in the neutral perspective can find it boring. But Italy has a just a massive brick wall on defense. They have such good defense and defensive midfielders. But they have one true outright striker on their team, Ciro Immobile. Everyone else is kind of makeshift strikers if they're playing them there. So it might be a team that may struggle to find goals. But they, they're not going to get scored on a lot in, in this tournament. Italy's really good defensively. They're going to win their group. Group B, we have Denmark, Finland, Belgium, and Russia. Who do you like here? Denmark has one player. Um, but they're, all three of those teams, I could care less. Belgium should run away with this, this, this group. They got an f- extremely favorable draw. Kevin De Bruyne is a top five player in the league or in the world. He may miss the first game in his last club game. He uh, 
basically broke his face, fractured nose, orbital bone. They put him on the squad. He's going to miss one game, try and make it. But if they can get the, through the group stage without him, they may try bring him on as a substitute. Uh, Eden Hazard, Romelu Lukaku. I could go on. Their team's really good. Belgium may be even a top three team in this whole tournament. Belgium's going to win their group. Group C, we have the Netherlands, Ukraine, Austria, and North Macedonia. Yeah, yeah. we kind of touched on this. Not a yeah, whole lot. Not a whole lot of meat on the bone. I'll pick Netherlands by default just because they're the team I like the most. Um, this, this one's up for grabs. Group C is coin flip. Well, let me ask you this before we move on, because you don't love anybody here. One of them is going to get a top seed, a one or two seed. Just two of these teams are going to move on. Yeah. Yeah, two of these teams are going to move on. Is there a team that you think could make noise once advancing? For some reason, every time I, 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 I think Austria, simply because of David Alaba, I think he's got the ability to score from free kicks. But again, he he's a defender and he's their best player. But um, no, any okay. team that makes it out of this group, even if it's Netherlands. I would have a hard time fancying them to win their next game. But one of these group winners may end up facing a third-tier team, you know, that made it through. So, yeah, not to say never, but I don't like any of these teams. Group D, we have England, Croatia, Scotland, and the Czech Republic. Czech Republic and Scotland are irrelevant. England and Croatia will be the top two seeds in this group. I like England. I think you England's spoke a, a lot about England. Yeah. England's a phenomenal team. England, Portugal, Germany are the top three teams I'll be watching. Again, if I had to pick, I'm going to take Portugal as a team I want to win. But um, goodness me, that is a do not miss game. When Croatia plays England in the group stage, turn that one on. It's going to be back and forth. It's going to be open. I, I would assume there's going to be around three or four goals in that game. It's going to be extremely fun. Watch that game. I'm going to go England first. Croatia is the second seed. Group E, we have Spain, Sweden, Poland, and Slovakia. Where are you at here? This one might shock some people. Uh, just in the group stage, Spain hasn't lived up to the hype. I have them on my list as eight teams that could win it. They are in eighth place on the list. Um, they've really underperformed, but they always have so many good players that I don't like rooting against them. But I'm going to pick just one underdog. I'm not going to be boring the whole time. I like Poland because no matter how bad they're doing, no matter how much they can't move the ball, all it takes is one ball into Robert Lewandowski, and it can be in the back of the net. He simply is maybe in the whole competition. No, I'm going to say in the whole competition, he is the purest striker poacher in the box. Maybe Ronaldo, but Ronaldo's getting up there in age. Lewandowski scored all the goals this year. Him and Bayern Munich, they were incredible. I like Robert Lewandowski, but I'm going to put them at one, Spain at two, but I could see Spain taking the group. I don't think Slovakia or Sweden have it, though. Just so people know, you may have heard of Zlatan Ibrahimovic. He's a very popular name. Maybe you've heard him here and there. He came out of retirement for the international team to play for Sweden this year. And he picked up a knee injury, and he unfortunately will miss the competition, which sucks so bad. But um, Sweden draws dead without him. Group F, also known as the death group, you said? Group of, group of death, yep. The group of death. So you have Hungary, Portugal, France, and Germany, the three juggernauts there. 
who who you got coming out of this one? Obviously, you're high on three of these teams. Yeah, um, still, I think France is the number one team in the world. I'm not going to bet against them. They've got so many good players in so many key places. France is the number one team in the tournament. I have them winning the World Cup. If I had to, if someone said hundred dollars, you have to put it on one team. I'm putting it on on the boys in France. I like Portugal to come out number two. Um, a lot of times they underperform, you know, in knockout stages and in or in the group stage, and then do well more better in the knockout stages. And again, they were low on the qualifying thing, and they got put in three. But essentially, they're a well-rounded team, top eight team in the world. And Bruno Fernandez and Cristiano Ronaldo, in my opinion, are both top five players in the world. And I'd find it hard for people to disagree with that opinion. I think in any order, you have Messi, Ronaldo, Kevin De Bruyne, Bernardo Fernandez, and Robert Lewandowski. Harry Kane on the outside looking in. But um, Portugal finished second. Germany third. But I do believe they'll take care of business in Hungary. I think all three teams will take care of Hungary. So what will be key is to see what teams tie. Because, again, there's not always a winner and a loser. Hopefully, for your guys' sake and mine, all three of these teams can make it out of the group stage. They don't beat each other up too bad because they are so fun to watch. And it just seems like when there's a knockout game and Ronaldo's on the field, somehow he does some crazy stuff. So I'm going to go France wins it. One thing I did not ask and I just realized it. Um, and maybe we have to back up a little bit, but mm-hmm. what are the what is the the field structure? Is it neutral site? Is it is it home away? How does that work out? They have home countries, like because it's in five or six. There's five or six different stadiums around the world, but there is no technical home team because you're just playing in one of the biggest stadiums inside that country. I mean, sure, they practice there, and they may have some more fans, like, in the arena. But um, I know you commented on it once. I, I shared the bicycle kick from Wayne Rooney. And your comment was the fans in the background. It was crazy. Like, the, Unreal. I've hearing, never seen anything like it. Hearing the chatter and stuff, I truly believe soccer has the best fans in the world, especially to watch as well. Hard like, to argue. You, you you hear the chanting and the singing and all that stuff. A lot of people remember uh, those like things that people were blowing on in the World Cup in 2010 because they were selling all over the place. They were like a trumpet without any like notes. But um, the the crowd's so alive, and especially if you tactically understand soccer, you can you can just feel the momentum changing in a game, and you can see a buildup. And when that ball hits the net, you just everyone yells. So I don't think it's like the NBA where they're getting in your head because they're yelling and stuff. But like when you hear the roar of the stadium and things like that, like it's just alive during a soccer game. And it's so fascinating. But I don't know if any team will truly have a home field advantage, because when you're talking about over in Europe, I mean, it's like flying between Mexico, Canada and the United States. Like if you had a chance to see your home state, play in a game like that you're going to get plenty of fans out that way and maybe your team plays in turkey on tuesday but on saturday they play in england and then on the next thursday they play here and all the stadiums were picked and predetermined regardless who plays in that game so i don't think there will be really home field but i think you'll have 
40% for one team, 40% for another, and then a healthy 20% that are like, hey, we're here for a Euros match. We just paid to see the big dogs play. So it's it's really fun. But, yeah, when you have your TV up and you hear that TV, just you hear the roar, it's, it's such a cool feeling. Well, is there anything else you need to add? I uh, I'm out of questions. I think you mastered that. I think I first off, not I think I know. I just learned a lot just now. Um, I'm actually telling myself that I need to at least find a way to watch a Portugal France France Germany Germany Portugal somewhere in there. I need to watch a match. Group F is on TV. If Group F is on TV, you have to watch it. Even if they're playing against Hungary, you have to watch it. Yeah. Because all three of those teams are are monsters, and I'll try and figure out the first day that Group F plays. Unfortunately, it's on a Tuesday. It's next Tuesday. But at noon, Portugal destroys Hungary. And then Tuesday at 3 p.m., everybody, we get France-Germany for their first game in the group stage. That is a banger. That is just a monstrous game. And again, you're going to see some powerhouses dominating during the group stage. But it's always fun because if you turn on a game like Netherlands-Austria, Sweden-Slovakia, a lot of times it's like, I'm not going to watch that game. Nothing's on. You turn it on in the 70th minute, and it's 3-2. to two. And these teams are just scoring because they have no defense at the time. And it's like, they can those games against the two bad teams can often turn into like explosions of goals or really back-and-forth back soccer because if you're Sweden and you know you're going to struggle against Croatia or England, you really have to beat Slovakia. You have to. That's a must-win game because maybe you're surviving for ties against the other two teams. Because once you get into the knockouts, as long as we don't get scored on, we can at least go to the penalty kick shootouts. So you see a lot of teams tactically, and when you see a good off, a good team versus a bad team, and they're parking the bus and they're passing the ball back and forth, a lot of people can find that boring. How do you watch a soccer game and not fall asleep? But for people who love soccer, you know, just the tactics of it and seeing the, the momentum shift, it's it's just fun. I, I love soccer. I, I feel like you guys can feel that passion coming through your, your monitors or headsets or every listen through. But I cannot wait for the Euros. I'm super excited. It'll get me to the NFL season. And, man, I wish you guys could be as excited as I am. And if you are, great. If not, this is a great time to, to maybe learn some soccer or understand. But, again, if France, Germany, Portugal, England, Croatia, Italy, Belgium are playing against the team I did not just mention, take them to win. Okay. Well, I did, uh you killed it. I, I learned a lot. I'm ready to watch some soccer. I'll probably tune into a couple of games here. And I think we should talk some more of this. Maybe once we get to, once we get to a, uh, into the knockouts and the bracket becomes official. Maybe we can have you on to do the, uh, the, the, the whole knockout turn. What do you think? Yeah, it'd be fun. I'd love to do it. And I just got to share with the listeners here. One fun story. If I never shared it with you, it was 2016. So five years ago when I first met Jeff and uh, he introduced me, you know, we met at work. If you guys didn't hear the story already and we introduced each other and he's like, I heard your sports guy. I was like, yeah, for sure. We immediately connect over that. And it had to have been maybe a couple hours later. I'm walking down the back aisle of work, and he comes up to me, and he stops me in the middle of the hall. Like, and I don't know if I'm in trouble or if I need to do something. And he's like, 
I got to ask you a serious question. And I was like, <laughs> I, have n- I have no idea what direction this question's coming from. And he looks me dead in my soul and he's like, do you really watch soccer? <laughs> and I looked at him and I was like, yeah, dude, I watch a lot of soccer. He's like, do you mean to tell me you can sit down for two hours and watch a soccer game? Yeah. And I looked back at him and I said, if I can't watch it, I will record it and watch it when I get home. And the look on his face was just, he was mind blown that someone could sit down and watch soccer. But I'm telling you guys, if you give it a chance with an open mind, you'll fall in love. And soccer is three year, every fourth year, there's nothing in the summer. But every other year, soccer is year round. From August to May, you have club soccer. And you either have the Euros in the summer, the Men's World Cup, or the Women's World Cup. A couple things I did miss, actually, now that we're in the end, just to hit it out. The World Cup is like your Olympics. That's the whole world. The Euros are not. It is just Europe. With that being said, I mentioned earlier, Messi's not in this competition. During this same time, starting on June 13th, there's a tournament called Copa America. That is the same tournament, but South America. Your Brazil, your Argentina, your Peru, Ecuador, Venezuela, Colombia. That is what's happened to Copa America. I think it's an easier qualification process because there's less countries. But you will see Messi playing and you will see, you know, your Neymar and Brazil and Argentina playing in Copa America. So feel free to tune into that too. I don't look as much into that because it's kind of like, is Brazil or Argentina going to take it? I believe Peru or Paraguay, one of those two, won it recently. Um, underdog story again but um, yeah that'll be going on at the same time but so you're not totally aloof to what's going on they're two separate tournaments why is there not one for the United States Canada and Mexico I don't know hopefully we can get into one of these hopefully it's Copa America and it's like Canada all the way through South America and the United States can maybe get into one of these and it'll be more relevant instead of waiting four years to see the United States that would be great. I would like that. But unfortunately, we don't have that yet. So that is what will be going on when you see Copa America games. Okay. Well, that pretty much wraps it up. I uh, I hope everybody has a better understanding of soccer. If you don't, feel free to DM Brad on the, uh, you know, put a post on the Real Talk page. Put a, com- put a comment on this listing. Put a comment in the YouTube channel. Um, I had a lot of fun. I know Brad yep. did. Brad loves to talk soccer. Me and Brad once talked one time. I don't even remember what brand of soccer we talked, but Brad talked to me for soccer for about an hour, and it could have easily been a podcast. So this was kind of like what stemmed from there and the yeah, roots. So if some of you guys were waiting for soccer to get to listen to a podcast, hopefully you enjoyed it, and maybe that'll intrigue you to listen to a WWE podcast or an NFL or a- NBA. You know, we try to make it enjoyable for your time. You know, we're no longer than an hour and 15. We're usually longer than a half hour. So it's a nice lunch window or drive home or maybe cleaning the house. But hopefully you enjoy listening to us talk. And, yeah, I I just wanted this to be informative. Tried to give a little bit of my personal opinions, too. But I just want it to be informative so you know how it works, what's on the line, and how things get scored and what matters. And if you're a man, hopefully you know the top teams. Yeah. Once again, thank you for listening, guys. It's been real, and we will see you next time. See you, boys. Yeah.